This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. I have like 19 medals and ribbons. The best medal that is not on my chest is a family medal as a father. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 78. Today's episode is with Marine veteran Sergeant Major Mario Fields, and he served 26 years in the military with a wide variety of different things, and he served two tours in Okinawa. He served in the drill field. At the same time, he was a dad at the age of 19, so he was a dad for most of his military career, and he had to learn how to be humble, how to be reach out and ask for help from others, and that wasn't something that was easy, and we dive into a lot of those areas here today. So this episode I know is going to knock you off your socks, so I want to get it right in there and get to it. So without further ado, here is Mario Fields, and I will talk to you again on the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Mario. Hey, thanks, Ben. I appreciate you having me on it. Going to be honest, it feels extremely weird just calling you Mario instead of Sergeant Major. <laughs> like I feel I like a little part of my marine side just died because I didn't have to call you sergeant major instead I just called you Mario man I tried to grow a beard a goatee I tried to wear a hat I didn't go as far as get a wig but it didn't matter man people running to me like oh sorry major so yeah I earned it so I'm good so thank you <laughs> well I'm excited to have you on the podcast we've talked a couple times now and I've gotten a l- to flirt with a little bit of your story and so I'm really excited to share that story in full detail today on the podcast. So go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family, what your life looks like, and what makes you an uh, awesome dad. <laughs> I don't know about the awesome dad. But, you know, Mario Pierre Fields, Sergeant Major, retired to 26 years in the Marine Corps. I uh, got married at 19 years old and uh, still married to this day. We just celebrated 25 years of matrimony. I'm going to have two kids, a daughter named Miranda. She turns 25 in June. And a son named Mario. The second, he turns 24 in Christmas. He's a Christmas baby. Um, yeah. So, you know, in a nutshell, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, a founder, co founder, and uh, a CEO of Global Spatial Speakers, and then founder and uh, president of a nonprofit called Still Serving Incorporated. And I just enjoy helping people, inspiring the world through positive actions. And what makes me a great dad? I don't know. You got to ask my kids that. <laughs> it depends on what day it is. <laughs> What's your favorite part of being a dad? Let's maybe flip the, the, the script a little bit. You know, honestly, it's in phases. So, you know, when, when the kids are younger, there's not much feedback. It's one way, you know, one way conversation. You like, hope you're getting it right. Yeah. You know, you know, you just, hey, this is what you're going to do. Kind of like recruit training, you know. Hey, shut up and get outside and give me some push-ups. <laughs> but. As a, when they become a young adults, you get real good feedback. 
Sometimes a feedback hurts, uh, but I enjoy now being able to interact with them and to learn from them and grow, you know, from their perspectives and, and, and learn what dad thought was great and come to find out dad is horrible when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, that's, that's fun right now. It hurts sometimes, but it's fun. The truth sometimes hurt, but the truth is sometimes what we need to hear. It's almost like when I take a picture, I always think I'm at least five foot six. You know, it's a matter of perspective. But when I look at the photo, man, I'm like, yeah, man, it doesn't hurt, but it's reality. I am five foot two and some change. Yeah. And you get that <laughs> extra half inch from the core frames. You know, my orthotics. My orthotics. <laughs> so I, I want to rewind a little bit. What brought you to the Marine Corps? What were you searching for when you raised your right hand? You, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I wasn't searching for anything. My brother, my brother, about 17 months older than I am, he just, out of nowhere, he joined the Navy. And I was like, you know what? I like how he just went to boot camp. You know, he said he ran a mile and a half. Wow, that's a long, you know, that's that's good. And I want to do something different too. So I said, I don't want to be just like, you know, I'll, I'll join the Marine Corps. I mean, he, he was calling me from boot camp. So I was like, boot camp can't be that hard. So I, so I said, you know, I'm going to try the Marines, do about four years, get some discipline, and then, you know, go to school. You know, and that, that's how I actually, actually how it started. So what, before that came into your life, what, what plan did you have for your life? Like, what, where did you think you were going to do when you grew up? Yeah, I, I had an internship with Electronic Data Systems, EDS. You know, it was founded by Ross Perot. So I had a two-year uh, internship with, with that company out of uh, Pontiac, Michigan. I was going to go to University of Michigan, go over rings, and uh, get me a degree in engineering or computer information, and then uh, see if I could get a career with EDS. That, that, that was the plan. So do you consider your joining Marine Corps kind of like as your first defining moment? Like that was where your life took a different path than you really thought that it was going to take and that put you on the path to where you are today, even though it wasn't where you thought you would be? Yeah, I was. I would say that it was. I mean, I got down to Paris Island. You come from Michigan. There's no humidity. I mean, there's some humidity in Michigan, but it's not hot like South Carolina. And, you know, so that that alone, feeling that heat was a defining moment. <laughs> Hey, I was just, I was like, if, if it's two in the morning, Ben, if it's two in the morning and it's this hot, my defining moment was, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm going to make it get at high noon. Yeah. Like, good Lord, I've never felt this much heat at two in the morning in my 18 years of living. So That's so, what I felt when I went to Okinawa. It's like breathing underwater the entire yeah, day. Like, right. Like somebody got a permanent mask over your face. Yeah, exactly. You break a sweat and you look like you ran a marathon just going up a flight of stairs. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, joining, joining the Marine Corps was, was a, very, a defining moment. And believe it or not, I, I was an honor grad out of boot camp. So, and trust me, I, that was not my mission, my goal. I was, you know, I was a meritorious Lance Corporal out of boot camp. So achieving that and just, you know, really being third phase recruit Mario P. Fields, you know, meritorious Lance Corporal, you know, that's when I realized, all right, I'm going to embrace this. I don't know what the hell I've done, but you've done something right that they recognize. I think I did something right, so I'm gonna just keep keep doing it. I like that. How old were you when you became a dad? I was 19. So, so what's the timeline? You joined the Marine Corps right after high school, and then you became a dad at 19. Actually, no, I got married at 19. Then my daughter was born right after my 20th birthday. So she her her uh, her birthday is uh, literally 20 uh, 30 days after my birthday. So I turned 20 on May 6. And then she uh, was born on June 6th. So let's go back to that time frame. Was that Mario? Did he think that he had it all together or was he still kind of humble to the, what the world had? 
And then you get this baby in your arms that calls you dad or doesn't call you dad, but you realize it's your responsibility. Like, how, what was that like for you when you got that wake up call early on when you, you're on this path that you didn't really know you're going to be on? You're growing in a way that you didn't really think you were. And then you get this thing that you can't control at such a young age, like it can wake you up. First of all, I've been a lot of the NCOs told me I was going to fail. So that was already scary because they were like, oh, you're too young. Hey, hey, Lance, quote me over with Corp Fields. You're going to fail. You know, I was like, well, thank you for that. Thank you for believing in me. Trust, you know, thank you guys. And I can have another. (laughs) I can imagine you're the kind of guy that takes that and like that's actually fuel for your furnace. Yes. Boy, Ben, you know me, man. Or the more chaotic and negative it gets, the more motivated and inspired I get. So, you know, with everyone telling my wife and I, you know, we were going to fail. The only thing I think they were really correct on is it's going to be tough and you're going to struggle. They were right. But I I just said, you know, I said, you know, I did it. I made a decision. What do men do? Men make decisions and men, you know, men make the best out of those decisions. So there was no Google back then. Yeah. (laughs) No YouTube. No YouTube, you know, so you had to pick up the phone and, you know, use your parents and, you know, wise people to get some advice on how to be the best you can be. And that's, that's what I did when my daughter was born. So you hit on there something really important that I don't think a lot of dads today recognize is you were humble enough to ask for help. Was that instinctive or did like you have some like in inner programming that was from your father or something that like your life's going to be heavy. You need to ask for help. Or where did that come from? Cause that's not standard programming for dads. Usually it's the, we can do it alone. I just believe in don't make the same mistake someone else made. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a person, man, who believes in wisdom, you know, why, why, why would you ask the person who's done it before? You know, was there someone that gave you that like insight? Like, or did you just kind of like feel like that was kind of like how you were grew up and what you remember hearing maybe your elders say? I think a combination, you know, I have friends that wouldn't ask questions and they would fail hard. And I was like, okay, where did they go wrong? But they didn't ask a question. So I think a combination, combination of, you know, having wise parents, but the combination of me failing too, because I didn't ask. You know, so as I got older, I was like, all right, what makes sense? If you don't have the answers, man, just ask. I mean, it doesn't hurt, especially like the, you know, I'm 19, 20 years old. Why not ask someone who's 70 or 80 or 60? They've been there and done it. Yeah, there's something like, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but like, I often ask a question of like, what kind of, what, what advice would you write on a sticky note for yourself at some point in someone's past? And then I follow up and be like, would you have listened to that advice? And they're like, hell no. Like that's, Something about, and especially Marines, like that ego that we have inside just kind of programs us that even though in the Marine Corps, you're programmed, you can't do it alone. You have a team to conquer a mountain and an objective together. We don't correlate that same mentality to life. Like in life, you have to be a dad and you have to do it alone, but to conquer a war and win it, you have to have a team and you have to execute at a team level. I agree, but I, I think I think a baby is more complex. I think, I, think <laughs> I would agree. There's hey, no manual, I mean, <laughs> and they're all different. You know, I mean, you know, get me don't you know, get me wrong. As a combat veteran, you know, very very nerve wracking, and there's some things you have to deal with. But a baby, and it doesn't end. You know, so it's not like you get a six month deployment, you get a breather. Yeah, there's ah, no. It just go. and every day is the first day you've ever done this day there's not like you can't go to like a deployment six months at a time and then repeat that in a few months and you're like oh this was just like the last one no every day you're growing in a way that you've never grown before 
Exactly. And if you have more than one, you can't the same approach you what worked for the first does not work for the second. And then what worked for the first one in the first 10 years may not work the, the next two years. It's, it's, it's like leadership, man. It is constantly changing. And people. with kids, they have free will, which is also the best test of your leadership because you have to get people to follow a direction that have their own ability and they're more, they're more stubborn than an actual adult. Yes. And yes. <laughs> Nothing else to add to that one. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, because I'm a big believer that fathers and daughters have a special place together and that we're their first love and they measure everything they do in life by a man that we were. How did you see your role in those early days? Or like, did you recognize your role as, as a father to a daughter early on? Or was it something you had to grow through? And as you realized as she became a woman, that what you what your role within that relationship was? Yeah, my my my, my what I had to work on is a balance. You, you know, to to not be that dad that was so overprotective, like a cobra in the sky and providing close air support, you know, where your dog is just afraid to date. You, you know, you got to be careful. So I was like, you know what? I, I believe the best thing I can do with my daughter is have an open line of communication and understand that she has feelings, too. And also understand that sometimes her feelings may not align with my understanding. So understand understand that I may not understand why she's feeling that way, you know, but, and be okay with it, that you have a different feeling. Yeah. And, 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 and remember I was young, so I was a drone instructor, you know, growing up as well, you know, while they were growing up. So I also had to balance, you, you can't be Sergeant Major, Gunny Fields, Corporal Fields, Sergeant Fields, drill instructor, Sergeant Fields, Staff Sergeant Fields at home with your kids, m- more so your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk later about my son, how that actually was a negative impact. So w- w- with my daughter, it was a balance. It was I want to give her an example of w- what a man is like. Um, and it worked. But her metrics of measuring if you qualify as a man or a boy is pretty high. There's a lot of guys that did not get her phone number or Instagram handle or whatever, because I set that, you know, I set that standard through my mom my behavior. Mm-hmm. And I always say that the dad with a shotgun at the door is the dad that set the bar really low. Because if you have nothing, if you, if you lived your life in a high way, you really have nothing to fear. And if she did make a mistake, she'll learn from it because she realized that's not my dad. From the, from the feedback from her friends who were males that came to the house, they said I was the scariest dad. I was the shortest one <laughs> because all, all I did, I would shake their hands and I'll look them in the eyes. And I get real close to them and shake their hands, look them in the eyes. And I'll be like, how are you? What's your name? And they hated looking at me now. And they tall too, man. I like, look down at me. What's your name, boy? You know? And I'll give them a hug <laughs> and let them know, you know, I want to shake your hand. I want to, I want to look you in the eyes. And I want you to know that I, I, I like you because you're a human being. Well, that's my daughter. And they said I was the scariest one out of all of them. Made mm-hmm. it up front. Yeah, but at the same time, you really created a safe place for that when she, when she, when, because she has her husband now. I can't remember if she's married now. No, no, she's not married. She's not married. But when that happens, like that's whatever that mode is, that's going to create a safe space for a bond between you and him to form because of out of respect, not out of fear. And, and that's the best place right. for it to, to grow from as well. 
Right. And that's why I, you're right. And that's why I shook their hands, let them know I respect them. I made them look me in the eyes because I wanted, you know, I wanted, you know, eyes don't lie. So you can be lied about people when you look them in the eyes and, and then let them know it's personal with this family, you know, and it's personal as a man. And if you be part of the family or the potentially my daughter's husband, it was going to be personal. You don't marry her. You marry us. <laughs> so I have to ask before we go and I ask about your son, how did you handle the switch from the stern Marine drill instructor to come home and be a soft bunny to your daughter? Like, cause most Marines struggle to, to even acknowledge their own feelings. And I can imagine when you have to be in drill instructor, you're in on mode, you are in fierce, like you have to have the fear, not the, like the fear of God. We have the strength of God in that room all day long. And then you got to come home and pretend like that person didn't exist and be someone else. Like what was that like that growing process for you, like with your daughter? And then we'll switch it to your son. You, you know, my daughter, it didn't bother her. It's, it's, it's funny. You would think that if I came home with a campaign cover and kill your face, she go, oh my God. No, Miranda's like, yeah, that's good. Thank you. Can I have another? You know what I mean? You know, it, it, that didn't bother my daughter. So with her, it was more of that. I want your time. You know, you need to listen to me, you know, and understand. Yeah. She got older, right. Understand, you know, my perspectives in, in, in how I feel, but as far as being stern and firm and, and oorah on my daughter, man, didn't even bother her. So this, it still doesn't bother her. It's it's probably just says like that you created a safe space that you didn't like. She wasn't forced to be someone else. Like she wasn't scared by you because a lot of dads can create a space where kids aren't safe to feel emotions, and that's what I think pushes them away from their dad, especially if they're one that comes home with like scars on their mind and from war. It's that not having that safe space to feel something. So you can have a personality, even I would say that's what you're bringing home. But as long as you have a safe space to feel something and for her to have a tantrum and you not go drill instructor on her, as long as she can feel safe in that moment, that's really what you want as a parent to to have those emotions feel safe as they, they feel what they need to feel and they learn how to feel through them, not just kind of like suppress them. Right. Yeah. No, no, I, I embraced it. And and I listen to my wife a lot. You know, you know, I didn't, it, billion dollar advice right there, guys. Right. <laughs> trillion. You, you know, and, and you got to swallow your pride. You know, we're, you know, I won't say we all are Marines. I'll just say I was a prideful Marine. You know, I can't speak for anyone else. And pride to get you in trouble, man. And, and I had to listen to my wife. You know, there was I was stubborn. A lot of times you go, Mario, the way you talk to your daughter is not it's not good. And I go, well, well how should I talk to her? You know, I want them to be good kids. So they're going to need this firm and stern talking. But, you know, later on, I realized that thank God it's to my wife because it was creating that environment where she wouldn't open up. She wouldn't talk to me, give me just a blank stare. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine like pretending or not pretending, but having recruits over 13 weeks transform into someone that you want them to be on the other end you probably try to extrapolate a a faster pace of getting your kids to grow up. Like if I just put this extra effort and we can get them to grow up a little bit faster because it happens every recruit training that people, people grow into Marines and you want to try to bring home that skills and being at peace with the gift of time of how long it takes to raise kids and that it's continuous process that just, you can't wake up every day, go in there and scream a bunch of orders and turn people into Marines. You can count recruits down and if they don't get in the bed, then here we go, get in the rack. 
yeah, you can't come home and count your kids down. You yeah. Know? So, Maybe if you make it a game, nine, if you want it to be a three. game versus a punishment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like when I get, when I get the one, if you guys do it, you get candy. <laughs> so let's go into the story about your son. Like where did you come home as a drill instructor and that mentality got you in trouble? Yeah, Mario was Mario was reverse. M- Mario was don't yell at me, man. <laughs> Mario, man, you hey boy, he, he want none of that. You know, Mario was opposite of Miranda. I tell Mario to do something, he do it. You know, if I got firm with Mario, Mario automatically got sad. He cried. Um, what I found was. Just like a lot of dads, I believe, would do is they'd be they're, they're more firm on the son. You know, you're a boy. You know, I want you to be tough. You know, and then if you're Marines, even worse. I want you to be a, a devil dog. What I found with, with my son is he created that environment where he did not show emotions. So that that was not. It took me some years to realize that I'm taking the same approach to my daughter to my son but the results were different. And it was years later, I realized that the approach I took with my daughter, I should not have taken that approach with my son. And, and they're only a few months apart. I mean, they're like 16, I think 18, 17 months apart. And the interesting part, and I don't know whether this is truly in the science of how you guys as drill instructors train Marines, but you have 80, 90 people in the platoon, you're generally doing the same stuff to them throughout the entire process and they all get kind of molded with the same information that fails as a father. Cause every kid that you're talking about is different. They all have their own unique programming. They all have their own human desires and needs within their life to feel love. They all have their own love language and that can really mess you up. If you try to apply the same programming to each kid, because each kid's going to receive it differently. Yeah. They're their own people. And, and I always made the mistake where I want my son to be better than me, you know, Want him to be like dad, but better. I mean, he is taller and more handsome, and he's better than me. But but it's the way you do it. You you have to understand that they are their own individual human beings, and you just set guardrails so they don't crash, but allow them to drive down the road of life, man, and become their own person. That reminds me of my son. So my son is also uh, more emotional. So we have two girls and one boy, and he's in the middle. And I was in the middle, so I can empathize with him being in the middle of two sisters. So he's more emotional. He gets upset really quickly. And one thing that I always try to do to try to compliment, because I think my son and your son are a lot, is when he's feeling something really strong, I just sit with him. And I just hug him. I just give him that touch. And I just kind of let him feel what he needs to feel through whatever he's feeling. And then we talk about it. And sometimes it's like maybe doing misdirection. We take We play trains together, and that gets him happy but I always just let him feel whatever he's feeling versus kind of creating that judgment that he's feeling is sad. And I think when kids do get that sad feeling, I think that because you still want them to, as men, you want them to take action despite that feeling. I think it's just important to constantly remind, remind themselves like you can fall down and you can feel sad, but as men, you need to always remember to get back up. Like that's more important than understanding whether you can feel or not feel. No, I, I agree. And, and let them know it's okay to cry, you know? Um, let little allowing little boys to cry and, and and reinforcing early that it's okay to cry. Men cry, boys don't, you know. And and that's if I had a chance to do it all over again with Mario, 
Yamario Jr., it would have been when he fell off his bike and started crying, it would have been embracing him and reminding him that, that that's cool. Cry, get it out. Bias going, dust yourself off, man. Wipe those tears off. Get back on the bike. It is a commonplace. Yeah. Uh, but there's there there were certain occasions I believe I had an opportunity to reinforce emotions as a young male, and I've missed those. So yeah. And it's never too late. That's part of retired early. You know, I was like, man, you know, it's never too late to go back and and you can't repair the past, but you can also not re- repeat. Which and, what most sons don't realize is it's never too late to start a relationship with your dad. And never too late. I mean, you know, look, look at me. It was never too late to grow some hair. So I, you know, I said, let me try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the reconciliation process for you and your son? Like, when did you guys start repairing or when did you start working on, was it when you got out of the Marine Corps? Was it that long that you realized this method yeah. was incorrect? Both of my kids. I would, I would say the repair process for me and my adult children was when I retired last year and listening. Now I can slow down. I'm not busy. I'm not all, I'm not deploying. I'm not answering the phones throughout the night. And it was the first time in my life that I actually was able to take time for myself, but give it to my actual kids quality time where I didn't, I, even though I was in the room, I wasn't in the room when I was on active duty, but now that I'm retired, when I'm in the room, I'm in the room mentally, physically, emotionally. So to me, that the last, eight, you know, 12 months, that has been the most important part of our reconciliation for both of them. And it starts with the dad. You got to listen and get rid of your emotions because again, they're going to say some things. <laughs> yeah, they're going to make you feel do. very insecure and it's going to hit to the core in some cases because you're sure going to like relive and you're going to go back to when you're 22 sure holding is. your son and daughter and you're, they're like, fuck. Yeah, right. You, you have to, you have to just remove your emotions. So with Mario, when I said, all right, Mario, let's talk. And I started to realize that I was trying to bring him to my world, but he's, he's not capable to be in my, it's not his world. So I had to go to his world. So let me, let me, let me stop trying to get him up to dad's level. Let me meet him where he's at. And just being able to talk to him without always trying to give him advice and always trying to give him wisdom, just, I had to shut up. I'm still dad. I just had to shut up and listen. And what you hit on is something that I talk a lot about on the podcast. When my kids are younger, this works beautifully, but it also applies what you're doing now is no matter what age they are, your kids will always spell love T I M E and that your gift <laughs> of time is how they feel the most loved. <laughs> yes. It's not the toy from Target or Toys R Us now that it's bankrupt, but it's it's just your presence. Like my daughter's been a kid in a candy store outside in the sidewalk rolling a ball back and forth and she's three years old and that is as happy as she can get because I was just there in that moment with her and we were just rolling a ball on the ground. It was, it was something super simple and we overcomplicated so much trying to over-engineer, make it perfect, think that we need one more thing to kind of like be loved by our kids when really all they want is your presence and your gift of time, which is what you're stepping back into now. And when they become adults now, money too. You, get, you, you don't have to give money all the time. But, you know, you know for instance, like my, my daughter's in a situation, a good situation right now, and she, she wants a puppy. Costs about 2500 bucks. 
you know, but like today, you know, she laid out her plan and my wife and I said, you know what, we'll pay half. I mean, we don't do it often. And she almost, you know, almost cried with tears of joy. So to be able to, at that right moment, inject a little bit of cash to help them as young adults, it's also very important because that's part of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't give them too much because then it'll make you go broke and you'll be washing cars on a week. Yeah. And it's a little bit related to, I always talk about when military dads are deploying, it's a lot like your time is like with your family is like a credit card and you borrow and make a withdrawal on that credit card every time you deploy. And when you're back, you have to pay it back with interest. And if you don't, that credit card eventually will go bankrupt. And luckily for you, you had the awareness kind of like right at the end there, like I got to get back because this credit card is getting ready to be maxed out. And now you're coming back in and repaying it with time, but then also a little bit of the financial of giving them that gift that lets them know like, hey, I want you to feel successful and happy and I'm there to make sure that you're supported and loved. Yeah, you know, Ben, you know, it's a great, great analogy. One of the the most moving statements my daughter said to me last year, she said, Dad, we understood that you were a Marine and we understand that someone's got to protect our nation. She goes, but it feels good now not to see you giving giving your time to everyone around the world. Now you can actually give it to us. Her statement. And I was like, wow. She goes, for 26 years, as long as I can remember, we're, we were okay with it. But we watched you on countless t- moments, times, give all of your time to everyone in the world but us because you were a Marine. But now you're done. And now you can give it to us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, beautiful. Oh, I need to call me twice a week. And you're, you're hitting a note right there that military kids understand more than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they do. And we don't acknowledge that even though they're not adults, they can think in an adult way because many cases, military families deal with adult issues. They deal with things that most mil- kids don't ever deal with in their life. The idea of dad not coming home. You wonder right. if dad's coming back home every time the gift, like being gone for nine months, like there's not any yeah. other family that really deals with that feeling, but kids do. And they come back and go again. Yeah. And the part it that I commend you for is most yeah. dads get caught up that your service is noble sacrifice and they just completely go all in and it becomes like a drug that they re- they just invest all their time in their service and avoid the family. When you were present, you were at least being the best dad that you could be in those moments but a lot of dads, it's like a workaholic, like being the Marine, any military service, because it's noble. Oh, I can just work all this time and hide and no one's going to call my bullshit. But it's the, the consequences are still just as real, whether it's a noble sacrifice like the military or whether it's a corporate job that you stay till eight o'clock at night processing emails. It would help me is kind of what your podcast is doing, Ben, and, and it's invaluable. I love what you're doing. What helped me is interviewing. And I asked a lot of people like like a lot of veterans. You know, when I first came in, the E-9s and E-8s, they were Vietnam vets. But I, I asked them a lot of questions on where did they fail. And then I actually, believe it or not, I actually asked a lot of questions for people who had broken relationships with their adult children, um, you know, and things of that nature. But I would ask them, like, hey, where do you go wrong? Like, what happened? What happened, you know, saw a major mass of gun, if you don't mind. You know, I know this little Lance Cobra One ribbon is asking a question, but I'm just curious, George. And the one thing that everybody I still remember used to say is, is communication. Like they, they, they were so all in 
that they did not listen and hear what was being said from the children. So to the point where when they retired, there was no relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like your marriage. Like there's, I've heard stories where if you invest all your energy on your kids and you make them the most important part of your life, when they leave the house, you're living with a stranger and you forgot that this commitment with my wife is actually a stronger commitment and longer than the one with my kids. Like your kids are going to betray you. It's guaranteed result. Like they're going to leave and you're going to be left with the person that you started your life with. And you've got to make sure your priorities are straight. (laughs) That, and, and, and by the way, when they do betray you, it's actually a good thing. Cause once they're gone, man, and you got the house to yourself, simplify. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you can, you can start the next season of your life and you've always kept that foundation and now you can just really grow it even more. And the beauty of whatever the love that you've created over the last 20 years or however long it took for your kids to leave, that can really blossom and you get to go into a whole nother season of enjoying your marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little transition phase. But after, you know, about for me, it was only 48 hour transition. But, you know, (laughs) but no, yeah. Once they leave, you know, that's actually you feel successful, you know, because you you were able to to set this condition where these these babies were able to develop and grow personally and professionally until these adults. And then now they can fly out the nest and start to do great things. Mm-hmm. And now you just get to wait for grandkids, which is the key to parents happiness. Give them grandkids and they are as happy as a kid. And I'm having some before. technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry to scare Sorry. you there for a second. <laughs> well, the cool thing about grandkids and we know they'll come, you can give them back. Yeah, exactly. That's the best part. Like you, you get to enjoy all this and be like, Okay, it's yours again. I think they had this old song like, Daddy's great. He gives that chocolate cake. <laughs> Daddy's the stuff. He gives those cocoa puffs. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm going to do to the grandkids. I'm like, what do y'all want for breakfast? Chocolate cake? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So let's take a pivot. You're a sergeant major in the Marine Corps retired. And one thing that the Marine Corps struggles with and probably all the other branches struggle with as well is creating a safe place to talk about family at any rank. Like you had the the balls to go up to someone and ask them higher ranking. Can I ask you a personal question of whether you're a good dad or a bad dad and how what lessons I can learn from that? That in theory, like it doesn't, the military generally doesn't create a safe space where a PFC feels safe enough to go do that. What advice would you, do you want to give out there for the commanders and for trying to create a safe space where families can flourish within the military. Because so often, a lot of the problems is commanders don't even acknowledge that it's a two-part problem. There's the life in the military, and then there's the life that mil- the military members go home to. And they just try to ignore that the family part that you, you don't even feel like you can talk about your family in your unit at work. It's We talk about the unit stuff at work, and you can keep your family shit at home. Yeah, yeah no, my, my advice, I, I can just tell you what, what I saw work for for me and, and some, some of the places I've been in, units I've been in is by example, leadership by example. My wife was with me at all the events. You know, I've, I've heard some, some people say, oh, my wife is, she's not that type of person or she doesn't do that. My wife didn't either. But we knew that, that we didn't have to accept the, the promotion to Sergeant Major. You don't have to accept any of it. You can decline it and get the hell out. You know, when we were blessed and honored to, to get promoted and accepted as a, as a family, we made it a family event. And I just advised my commanders who weren't like that. I said, you got to bring your family around. If you want the organization to, to feel that this is a family organization, this is a family 
unit, everything we do in the Marine Corps, family is a big part of it. You got to show them. But you can't never have your wife or your kids or your grandma. I mean, family is bigger than just your wife and kids. But you can't you can't go to all of these events where all of the juniors and sailors and everybody's seeing you. You never you're never with your family. Or when you almost seem inhuman, like that, yeah, that there isn't this softer side with of your family. Right. Or it looks like it's protocol. You know, no, you bring your family around and don't be afraid to talk about your family. Put pictures on your desk about your family. Don't be afraid to talk about my family and formations all the time. Yeah. If I could go back or if I ever had a moment, like I've, I visualized this moment, if I was like a company commander or an officer, I would almost let my first address be a story of when I fucked up as a father. Like I would let it right out the gate of I'm going to lead with a massive vulnerability here to let you know that as fathers, we don't have it together. And I want you to know and feel vulnerable enough and safe that we're in this together as dads and Marines and that we need to do it together. And often there's just kind of this, this perfectionness within the military and especially Marine Corps, because that's just part of the, the structure that we get designed with that you don't get to show the ugliness. Right. Right. Which you need to show the ugliness, you know, this and, 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 and with technology and, and, and today's, you know, audience, if you will, Marine says those you lead, they want to know the real you. It, you know, they want they, if, if you seem fake, they're like, man, I can't trust that CEO or that commander, or that sergeant major, staff sergeant, because they, they, they can see through you. So absolutely, it would, it, your, your leadership credibility would increase exponentially if you went out there and you said, hey, team, hey, this weekend, take care of yourself. But most importantly, hey, who's a dad? Hey, take care of your children, your wife. Here's why I failed as a young officer, or I failed as a young staff and seal for my my case as a young corporal. I'd be curious in that in the amount of Friday safety briefs that have been issued in the Marine Corps and every other branch of the military, how often is go home and be a great dad is issued in those oh. safety briefs? <laughs> Probably I never. Know, I can't I never saw one or heard about one in my uh, time. Yeah, pro- probably not many. We can we can probably take a take a, a a survey and it'll be like one person would be like me. <laughs> I one time and yeah. So you were in Okinawa with your family as well, right? You were deployed together. Yeah, two tours. Yeah. So one thing that I liked about Okinawa, Okinawa was the only Marine Corps base that I was stationed at as an active or as a fleet Marine. That and because you're on the island and you're in it together, you already have a sense of family on the island, and there's families there. And you have to have that unit cohesion of family. Like I remember on Camp Courtney, there was always family events. That was the family base. And all the families of the headquarters group that I was a part of would come out. Like that's where you felt like we can, we're in this together and we're going to get through it. It's when you didn't feel that family connection, that's when you, you feel isolated. And in the States, that's often the problem because on the weekends, you can get, turn the Marine off almost in the United States. And live a normal life that no one really knows you're Marine unless you've got a, a haircut. So like there's a disconnect. There's no reason to stay cohesive, but in Okinawa you have to, cause it's just part of your human nature to stick together to survive. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, you know, Ben, what I found as a, as a dad is the constant, the, you know, the, 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 the constant is you serving, you know, as a Marine, you know, that's 24 hours, seven days a week. The variable is is your kids are growing every day. They're changing every day. They're getting exposed to different experiences outside the house on TV. And it's a changing environment. 
And no matter where, where you are, you have to understand that. And you, and you have to understand it early. You, you know, you can't wait till they're 12 and go, oh, man, you know, now I'm starting to figure them out. It's okay, now it's my late. turn to be dead. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the wife's problem in the early years. And then, okay, there's a point where it's, I yeah. step in. No, it's not like that. Yeah. So the, the constant is, you know, okay, we got another set of orders. Okinawa. Okay. Now we got another set of orders, Washington, DC. You know, you, that's unless, unless you get out of Marine Corps, that's, you can count on that. What you can't count on is would your child be the same at three at four years old? Are they going to react to to you giving them a firm talk at five and then at 10? Or will this talk matter 10 years from now? Or will it matter? I often reflect at 50. Like, what am I going to reflect back and really care about from 50, from the view from 50? I'm 35 now. So at 50, like, I'm going to wish I did probably a lot more things even than I'm doing now. And I took 10 days of vacation last summer when my wife went to China. So I was a stay-at-home dad by myself for 10 days. And I'm positive yeah, that's hard. like that. It was, it was a real deal. It was like, she left on Friday night and it wasn't until Tuesday that I felt like I could breathe again. But I digress a little bit in a way that I wanted to say, like when I was at 50, I know that those will be the best 10 days that I ever spent. Like I, right, right. those were something that I will cherish forever. You got a fan homemaker. If you're a homemaker, man, I did that for about I think seven days. Nope. <laughs> it's the decision-making, like the consistent, like the amount of decisions you have to make every day by yourself. Like I would punish at 12 and I would forget what punishment it was by three. Cause I was just going so fast in my head trying to, okay, I got to do the laundry. I got to do the dishes. I got to get their lunch ready. I got to get dinner ready. If I don't pull something out in the morning. Dinner's not ready. By the way, life still happens. And we're trying to stay entertained. Like it was a lot and it's, it never gets easy. But now that I'm at home more now, since I lost my job, like it's almost like I was preparing for it last summer and now I just get to kind of step into it, breathe it in and live it even more. And what you're hitting on also is the switch that your service is just a matter of a time in your life. And the one constant that even continues past your service is your family, which is why at the bottom of my logo, I have it cemented. Our legacy is our family. And that's often the, the problem with most military members is they, they stay fixated on their service. Why did my friend die and I lived? What did my service mean? What did it mean when I went to Iraq? Did that even matter? Like it's all over. Like the one constant that always is continuing to evolve is your family legacy and how much you invest, how much you help them grow, how help you, how much do you help them become great adults? Like that's where your effort is spent. Even when you're in the service, like so your family at? is still your legacy. That's that's where it's at. When you, you drive down the road of life, man, you gotta look out the windshield, not not the rearview mirror. And a lot of guys, you know, the longer they stay in, not even really, some of them only do four years. They struggle bad because they lived their life in the past. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, oh, could I have avoided that IED? Man, that happened. Life happens. We can't change. We can't even change what happened at one o'clock Pacific Standard Time, right? You know, it happened. But what you can change is the current situation and inspire and try to, you know, make things better for the future. And, and right now, again, when the smoke clears, the uniform comes off, all your medals and ribbons are put away where no one cares. Guess who's still with you? Hopefully, your children and your wife, if you're married. And they're still not, thinking you're as their hero. Like, that never stops. No matter whether you had a hero. bad day or not, your kids will still look at you as your hero. They'll greet you at the door in the same energy, whether you had a bad day at work or a great day at work. Like, that's the love that continues and fuels you through, not all these crappy thoughts of that have no real answer. Nope. 
You know, right. I, I mean, you know, I do public, you know, I run the public speaking company. But I mean, I can get up there and give a horrible speech. Kids would be like, Dad, you know what? We're going out to eat some steak tonight. We celebrate. <laughs> we still where, where, where social media might go, you know, saw Major Fields is losing his edge. He's not as crisp anymore, you know, and next day, no, now I don't have a thousand followers. And I only have 10. At least I know Ben would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking all the right things that I, 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 I love deeply about legacy and that matters and the, the hero when you walk through that door, those are all things near and dear to it's my heart. I have one question though, as I was thinking of through the entire timeline, what have you been hungry for that's allowed you to achieve all the things that you have in your life? To go from a Marine that just kind of joined to join, to go to one that led other Marines and become Marines as a drill instructor, to grow into a Sergeant Major that has YouTube videos where your, your energy is ready to jump out of your skin. Like, what were you really growing into or what were you not necessarily chasing? I don't think you were chasing anything, but like, what was your leading uh, compass during those decisions of how you grew through what you went through? I mean, it changed. I mean, you know, you, you change as you get older. I don't even say older. I say more seasoned and, and, and have experienced some things. But the, my first six, seven days in boot camp, I was depressed. It was the first time I was depressed in my life. I cried every day. So, you know, I want everybody to understand. It's not like I went down to boot camp like Private Snowball from Full Metal Jacket, even though that was my idol. You know, that's how I envisioned myself. But it was like the seventh day when when the drone started was yelling at me, man, I was depressed. And I said, well, I remember I remember my dad saying, you know, the difference between a man and a boy is a man makes a decision. And then the man is just brutal. You know, right. A man will just make that decision the best they can make it. Where a boy just go, you know, I quit. Same for me. So it was that day, like the seventh day in boot camp. I just turned it. I said, you know what? I'm better than private snowball. I don't know how my life is going to end. But I know we get one life. We get one shot. So I'm going to work my butt off every single day. So if I die tomorrow, they can say that was that, that, that guy right there. He was focused. He was motivated. It didn't even matter if he had to clean a porta potty. He was the best porta potty cleaner we ever seen. I rest his soul. And that's what, that, that's what started to drive me at 18. And it still drives me to this day. That's it, it kind of, I agree that it's kind of your defining moment because there was almost kind of like the little flame in, a, in the fireplace that's just there to keep the, the flame on. And really what boot camp did was just pump the gas and lit that flame up of that inner passion, that inner desire and lit up Mario fields in a way that really never stopped. Like your furnace is still running through, through, through depression too, <laughs> through, through depression, chaos, heat, humidity, language. I couldn't understand. Ready. Boo. What did he just say? Well, was that is that a South Carolina? I mean, what the heck is he talking about? I was a drill instructor, and I'm even see the command. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that, I guess that's what he was saying. And I felt the so same way. Was, so I in boot camp, yeah. I said this. I went being a guy from Wisconsin, growing up at a farm. I never had a lot of people yelling at me in my life. I wouldn't feel like I had a very uh, resilient mindset. And I went in and there was a lot of thugs kind of guys that had a rough bringing. So boot camp wasn't that hard for them or they projected it was. But for me, it was a struggle every day. And I remember it was up north in Camp Pendleton and we were at field week and we were sitting outside and eating an MRE. And there was something going on. We had to eat an MRE by a certain amount of time and I didn't. And I got everybody, I got the platoon in trouble for it. And I just started crying. 
because I had just felt overly whelmed with the emotion of feeling kind of just not good enough. And that was a feeling that I had kind of felt most of my life now looking back. And really, it acts, that vulnerability where you'd think like crying in boot camp is going to get you punched at night. Everybody actually got around me. Like the, the, the squad leaders then started looking out for me. They helped me get through it. And we actually banded together stronger through my crying moment in boot camp, which you think that you're not supposed to cry in boot camp, but it happens. And the exact opposite happens. Like you don't get beaten up. You actually like the team comes together stronger and that's a good lesson for life. Like showing vulnerability is actually a magnet, not a something. Yeah. Powerful, powerful trait. And it's, you know, Ben, it's those moments, those moments of despair is that's when I, I believe like your true character will come out. And if it, and if it's something that hasn't been tapped into yet, it's, it's going to come out. Conversely, if you're doing great and then, you know, then the circumstances roll in that, that, that are challenging and, and all that good stuff and you just fail. Well, now you just learn something new about yourself and you have an opportunity to get better. Yeah, you, you learn a whole bunch of weaknesses in boot camp. And, yes, you do. and a lot of times, like you don't really understand that you're, you're ready to overcome them. But a lot of times they're just seeds that you later in life will overcome. Like I feel like Mar- the Marine Corps for me was a great exercise in really showing what I was capable but I didn't necessarily move to the point where I was executing in that capability until almost even just a few years ago. Like, and even this year, I feel like I'm executing on some of the things that I started working on in the Marine Corps. And I just really wasn't acknowledging. And now as, so it's all part of the process and you have to really look and not judge it incorrectly. Cause you can easily get depressed. Like, Oh fuck, I'm just still a, a bag of ass. I still haven't figured out how to be a good Marine, whatever that means. You're, it's just a part of life that you're figuring it out and everybody has different stages of it. But, you know, you know, Ben, you know, but one thing I will say that boot camp taught me is it's it's OK to fail. Just to get back up and do it again. And I, that as a dad, that I would never forget stuck with me is like, hey, hey, we're going to make mission. You know, so, I, OK, dad didn't you know, dad did not like my daughter's hair. I can't man. I struggle with doing her hair. Like, you know, my kids are my kids are the world. They're mixed with everything. If I couldn't be racist, if I try. Right. Because we got everything from black, African-American, if you will, Asian, European. I still we're still trying to figure everything out in this house right now. I think we'll figure it out 20 years from now. But I can't do my daughter's hair, man. And I failed horribly trying to do her hair. Right. But instead of just going, you know, what, I'm never going to try to do her hair again. I kept doing it to my wife ordered me not to do it again. But it was that, it was that, that boot camp driveway. Don't give up. I go, okay, you fell off the rope, man. Get some chips, put it, you know, put some of those, those chips in your hand, get back on the rope. You'll get to the top by, by the time you graduate. Yeah. And I actually remember like the, the ropes course, the old course, old course always got me and that rope always got me. And like, right at yeah. the end, I was able to finally do it when I was on yeah. the, I think it was a crucible. I finally climbed, climbed the rope. And I bet you, you touched the top was like, say it, brother, stalker. <laughs> yeah, it was exciting because before that, it was continuing to fall down. And right. I think that's the, the part I haven't probably even acknowledged until you're just saying it. Like, you really do have the the never quit mentality when, like, for Marines and even all the, I'm sure all the services have this idea that you don't quit and you, you don't support quit. the team. No matter what, don't honor is, that idea enough. Even if it's your daughter's hair, you can't do it. Don't quit. But don't make it go bald either. <laughs> and you're also talking to something like these stories of failure are excellent teachers for our kids as well. Like we often think we can't share our stories to our kids, but like 
I don't know much about my dad because he didn't share many stories, but I am committed to sharing many stories. I even shared my daughter's been upset about uh, being always like, she always thinks that everything's her fault. And I was like, well, in boot camp, when daddy was in boot camp, there was 80 people. And no matter one person did it, every 80 people suffered. So you're always going to have these. And she was really curious. She asked like five questions about that experience, additional than what I told her. She really got into that story. And his military dads, we have such great stories. Like we're, we're stupid to not try to use our, our failures and screw ups as teachings for our kids. Until you tell too many stories. And then they're like, dad, you already told that one three times. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love that feedback because that meant that I was really living in the teaching dad and making sure that they understood how yeah, to oh, yeah. and to not make it's the same mistake. And it's if a- I die, they know who I was. That's something also most right. people don't spend a lot of time doing. And just like that, your dad can be gone and you don't know anything about it. You, you know, you know, one of the things I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, because again, when when I you know retired last year, I got a lot of plaques. And I mean, I have a lot of plaques. And and I say, you know what, guys? Hey team, I, I'm going to take some of the ones that have pictures or ones as I get older will resonate in memory. But some of these other ones, I, I got a storm or something. My family was mad about that. My daughter and my son was like, no, 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 you're not getting rid of anything. You know, you, you, you keep them because when you go, we'll, we'll, we'll restore them or whatever. But I just, I just didn't think they felt that way about me, my career, my plaque. So you're right. It's just things that you just learn, man, that you just think, ah, that's nothing. And, and your kids are like, no, that's amazing. And you're, you're speaking to something that I've talked about a couple of times is when you leave these little breadcrumbs and you do pass or whatever, when it's your time to pass, these are things and memories of how they reconnect with what, like if they really, if they're in a moment where you're no longer around and they have to figure out what would dad do? They're going to find one of these plaques and think of a memory like, yeah, that was that time we were in Okinawa and dad, we we're out hiking and dad told us this story. They're going to use a lot of that stuff to reconnect with those memories, to relive how dad lived and to make sure that they can understand how to live a great life themselves. And if we take that away from them, we're losing a huge part of our legacy. Totally agree. Had to tell myself, Mario, it's not about you. Had to talk in the third person, Ben. It's not about you. It's about what they, about them. Yeah. Made me a better man. Didn't make me taller, but that's okay. It's a matter of perspective. Yeah, but honestly, you know, not you know, I like to use humor, but it maybe maybe better man, better father, and, and I feel honestly, I feel like I'm the best dad today, you know, with with a two, almost twenty five year old, twenty three year old than I was years ago because of the feedback, because I am in a position now where I'm open minded, right, and willing and able to listen and change, and that feedback has been invaluable over the last twelve months. I wholeheartedly agree that feedback is a gift and we don't honor it enough and be thankful for it. When we do get it. Even if we don't want it, we need to accept it. Cause oftentimes like your wife can give you feedback and you're like, that's just bad advice. And really all feedback is good feedback. And you really try to figure out, okay, that's what I'm, that's what she's seeing when I do this. Like you have to try to dig into that and you have to treat it as a gift. Absolutely. Remember you're the one is always, you, 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 I was putting, putting together yesterday or two days ago, putting together a little shelf in my wife's office and she was just staring at me. I mean, I like, what, I, am I still handsome to you, baby? I mean, you know, I still got it. She's like, it's so weird to see you actually putting something together. <laughs> Feedback. I never thought that I was so busy. I never had the time just to really put something together. And I, 
Yeah. Feedback. It's feedback. And it, it probably just heightens your awareness for those moments going forward because your wife will probably really feel loved when you put something together and you probably would never have actually paid attention to like my new wife, my wife's new love language is when I put Ikea furniture together because that's what she did for 26 years when I was too busy. Right. Right. She was the plumber. She was everything. And, um, and then I was waiting for her to say, and you're still handsome. That came later. But you know, <laughs> just it's a validation there. <laughs> well, Mario, I've absolutely loved this interview. We've, it was been we like living a whole bunch of memories with, with, with our conversation. It felt like we were friends forever, even though we've only been friends for a week. What's one parting piece of advice you want to leave? If you can gift wrapped all the advice into one final thing that you want dads to take away as a takeaway from your life, what's that piece of advice you want to leave for dads? Yeah, one piece of advice I can leave, I would like to leave uh, for dads is, first of all, honor your position as a father. You, you know, it's an honor. It's a blessing to be a dad. Don't look at it as a burden or, you know, or the kids or the family is a burden. No, you, you should be honored that you are a father. And then, and, and, and then after that, behave in a way that is honorable. Where, kind of like what you said, Ben, where if you did die or something happened to you, that your legacy will live through your family, through their behavior, through some of the decisions they make. Even if they make bad decisions, the way they overcome those decisions, they would say, you know what, you're not like your dad, but you have your dad's ability to have endurance and resilience and, you know, and great DNA runs through those, those blood, those genes. I got goosebumps just there when you said that. Yes. You know, and it's an honor. It's a blessing. And it's, and you need, yeah. And, and yeah. So take it as it's, it's the best award. I have like 19 medals and ribbons. The best medal that is not on my chest is a family medal as a father, as a father. They can create a father medal. I would wear that thing and throw all the other ones away, saying that you're a good dad and give me my medal. I would walk around in the, at the beach in the tank top with that medal on. You know, I would never take it off. You should send that, that idea to headquarters. Yeah, I might. Because you know, it'd be a great networking event at the Marine Corps Ball. You kind of just look for the yeah. stripe that says he's a dad, so that way you can share a beer and see what, he, what lessons you can learn yeah. from him. No, I bless you right. You, you got the good dad medal. You got a good conduct medal. You need a good dad medal. So that's my parting words is, is that for the team and, and you know, all the listeners. I love that. And it's every time when I think about if I'm not here and if I can gift any of the tools to my kids to help them relive the way that dad lived or to understand how I lived or what would dad do, I feel like that's when I'm winning the most because yes. after I'm gone, they're really going to need whatever I want, I want them to understand. And it's this time right now it is the only time we have. And this is when you make those decisions of when you're gone, how they choose to live their life. Totally agree, Ben. Well, Mario, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. If people want to connect with you because you have some great social media, where's your favorite social place to hang out and where you're most active on that people can connect with you? <laughs> yeah, if, 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 for, for all those folks out there, the, the best way to follow me is go to, go to Global Inspirational Speakers website, www.globalinspirationalspeakers.com. If you click on speakers and it's Nicole and Mario as the founders, on my landing page, it has all of my social media links and it says, follow me, you know, so they can follow me at all those social media platforms that they go on Global Inspirational Speakers uh, website. 
I appreciate that. And if I will give you your YouTube a plug. And if you want to relive the moment when a sergeant major jumped into your life and just breathe a fireball of oorah into your life or whatever phrase your military branch says, go check out his YouTube video because that's what I instantly felt after checking it out. I felt I was back to a PFC and some sergeant major come up and just kind of ignited me, not as a Christmas tree in a bad way for doing something wrong, but just got me excited about being a Marine and what we were able to do that day. Right. If they want to jump right to my YouTube channel, all I got to do is just, just in, your, in your favorite search engine, Mario Fields YouTube, they can subscribe. And there's a lot of videos. You know, one of my favorite ones, the 25-year-old, uh, 25-year realistic staff sergeant and the 38-year Lance Corporal, 38-year-old Lance Corporal. So they can go to YouTube, check me out, and uh, subscribe. There'll be some more stuff coming out. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mario, for your time today. And I loved your stories. And I am positive we brought many dads home with your story today. No, thanks, Ben, and God bless you, and keep being a great dad. Let's work on that medal together. (laughs) Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. Some of my key takeaways were every kid being different. That is something that a lot of parents get wrong, and I often get it wrong on sometimes where I forget that this child is different than that child, and you just have to be able to show up and kind of with that curiosity, really try to figure out what does your child need in this moment, because every moment is different, and every kid is different. I loved how we talked about how you have to come home and be different to dad. Being a drill instructor, that had to teach him a lot of hard things about how to be a father to a son and a daughter. And there was different approaches that he had to bring. Even just the idea of making sure that it was giving his son permission to cry. That is something that a lot of military dads struggle with. There is a lot of social pressure to say that kids shouldn't cry or that boys shouldn't cry. They need to be men. They need to hold it in. But that advice is going to hold that emotion in and they need to be able to be able to express emotion, but more importantly, learn how to express it and still take action on the other side. Because what it means to be a man for me is that I can feel a strong emotion, but I can still take action despite that emotion. But I'm acknowledging that that emotion still exists. I think there was also a very good beacon of hope for many dads out there that maybe are struggling with the relationship with their kids. And that is the one that it's never too late to start to have a relationship with your kids because your kids have been waiting and waiting and waiting for you to come into their life and come home. And just like his story, his daughter was waiting and waiting, but she knew it was okay. She knew the process that dad was going to come home after his service was done. And now that he's home, She wants him in his life. She wants to have those conversations, and it's never too late. That was something that was really, really impactful. And I loved how we talked about your kids are changing every day. Don't just assume because you figured it out today, you figured it out tomorrow. Like, if it was that easy, most parents probably figure it out in the first week of being mom and dad. But it's not. Every day, every season, every challenge has a different perspective, has a different angle you need to to take to it. And often, the one that I find that I use the most is the one where you just approach it in a way that is you're approaching it with curiosity. Like, what can I learn from this moment? How can I help my child understand what they're feeling in a way that helps me understand what they're feeling? Not go in and try to bring judgment or shame or any of those different labels that we often use. Don't forget to check out the show notes. I have all those links down here. He's got an amazing website. He's got amazing passion and connection. He also posts some great stuff on YouTube. Check out his LinkedIn profile, his Facebook profile is down there. I really hope this episode hit you as much as it did for me. And I will talk to you guys again on Friday.